Now, The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, certified sommelier, corporate entertainer, and wife to a world-class chef, Lori is literally pouring the fun back into wine. Meet some of the most interesting people in the world of food, wine, and spirits as she uncorks the recipe for a delicious life. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I'm here live, surrounded by beauty in the Willamette Valley. Yes, people, it is Willamette, not Willamette. We got to get that right, of Oregon. Uh, One of my favorite wine destinations in this country, and I'm thrilled to be here at Solar Family Estates, sitting down with Melissa Burr, the winemaker, on a beautiful sunny day with... Lots of bottles here and glasses on the table. So, Melissa, first off, thank you so much for coming on The Sipping Point. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure. <laughs> she is so chill. I love We're going to have fun. I love this. Okay, so we're here. What I'd love to start with, if people aren't familiar with Stoller Family Estates, uh, they probably have heard of Willamette Valley, Oregon before. But tell us, you know, where we are here at Stoller and a little bit about the winery and how it got started. Sure. So we are sitting in the northern part of the Willamette Valley, which is a 300-mile valley, and this is the Dundee Hills AVA. We've got several AVAs in the Willamette Valley where we grow our wine grapes, and we're sitting at Stoller Family Estate in the southern part of the Dundee Hills. And Stoller is a 400-acre property on which there's a little over 200 acres of wine grapes planted to date. So we're sitting looking up at the hillside and at the vineyard parcels. We've got over 90 different sections of vineyard. It looks, when you're sitting here, like one contiguous sweeping vineyard, which it is. But within that, there's 90 different sections of grapes. They differ by variety, clonal material, and age of planting, as well as rootstock. Great. And you were mentioning before we got started the owner, Bill Stoller, and how he, how he came to start the vineyard. And we're going to talk a little bit later about your background and how you came to be a winemaker, because that wasn't your first idea of what your profession was going to be. But tell me a little bit about the Stoller family and how they decided to just up and start a winery, the dream of everyone in America. Yeah, you bet. So Bill Stoller, the owner, he's a third generation Oregonian, and he grew up here on this property. This was his a farm of his family's, his uncle's. So he grew up helping farm here, and he has extended family throughout the Willamette Valley. They've been here again for three generations. Bill went to business school and became successful with a business endeavor, a staffing company, and he was able to purchase this farm decades later from his uncle in the late 90s with the vision of starting a vineyard because the property is beautiful. It's perfectly appointed for that with the south exposure, the volcanic soil, and just the contiguous hillside. And Bill was really getting, falling in love basically with wines, especially burgundies. And so this was a perfect combination for him. So he started the vineyard in 95 with 20 acres and he planted 10 acres of Pinot Noir and 10 acres of Chardonnay then, which I think is pretty special now looking back at that. Not necessarily just the fact that he's planted the vineyard, but the fact that he planted half to Chardonnay in the mid-90s when at that time there really was not a pull by any means for Oregon Chardonnay. It was a little bit of an awkward time for Chardonnay here. We had started off with Pinot, which we struck it very lucky. Mm. It did great here in the Willamette Valley with our cool climate. And the Chardonnay floundered a bit then because we had originally, as Oregonians, planted 
different clones, larger clones that needed a lot more heat units to get ripe than what we have now. So the fact that Bill saw the vision of Chardonnay in Oregon being just as successful as Pinot was pretty neat to me. I like that. And uh, there are always a lot of comparisons made between Oregon wine and Burgundy mm-hmm. because of the grapes, I think, in the, in the style, um, you know. It's not California Pinot Noir. It's a totally different style of Pinot, which I love. And we've been talking a lot and not tasting wine. So (laughs) tell me about, you have a few different lines of wines here. Now in front of me, I'm looking right now at your Dundee Hills uh, wines. So these are, I guess you put it nicely earlier. You said the foundation. Um, Maybe these are the everyday drinking wines. If you love Stoller, they do have screw caps. We were we were chatting about. So tell me about the Dundee Hills line. And then next segment after the break, we're going to talk about your reserve wines, which are also really special. Okay. Yeah. To put it into perspective, again, the property is 200 acres. We take about 80% of the grapes that we grow and we sell the other 20. And of that 80%, we have a pyramid system, if you will, of wines. And Dundee Hills is the base. It really is our calling card for Stoller. And the Dundee Hills line, and they're all estate grown. Dundee Hills is our AVA, so we named our biggest blend that. It is a collection, for instance, of the Pinot Noir that we have right now in our glass. Our Dundee Hills Pinot Noir is a collection of all different parts of the hillside. So we've got high elevation and this clone and that clone. It's really a great mosaic of our estate. And that's what, again, is our calling card for the brand. It retails for approximately $30. And we've we're making, this year of 15, we're making approximately 14,000 cases of Dundee Hills Pinot. So we're at the size now where we can really get out there. And what I think is special about it is the fact that it is all estate grown. It's all meticulously made here and blended. And you get a, a great offering, a really consistent message of what the vintage is doing, what the estate's doing per year. Yeah. What I just tasted, the Pinot, which is delicious. It's got so much great fruit on the palate, but good acidity makes this a great food dinner wine and I'm so passionate about wine is part of the recipe of your meal <laughs> it's not finished without a glass of wine but right before this we also tasted the Dundee Hills Chardonnay and I was so excited because this is an un style or um, you know unadorned style crisper a little bit different than what people might think of Chardonnay um, tell us a little bit about why you decided to do an un Chardonnay for this line yeah, well, we have two Chardonnays, well, three now, with our smallest blend that's coming out relatively soon. But the Dundee Hills Chardonnay being unoaked, I think, is a great expression for Chardonnay. We also make a reserve Chardonnay, which is barrel fermented. We use quite a bit of neutral oak in that. But the two different styles really show off the diversity of what Chardonnay can offer. And the Dundee Hills Chardonnay, is the premise of it is to be very bright, fresh, aromatic, great acidity, a lot of length, and a very food-friendly wine as well. Great. Well, we're going to take a quick break so we can drink some more wine. I mean, uh, we're going to take a quick break here at Stoller Estate, Family Estates, and we'll be right back with The Sipping Point. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we're here at Stoller Family Estates in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, this beautiful setting. And we just tasted uh, with winemaker Melissa Burr, the Stoller Family Estate, their Dundee Hills line, which is the foundation of all their wines. That's that's where you start. That's your great Tuesday night bottle of Un Oak Chard or Pinot Noir. And... Um, 
Tell me a little bit, Melissa, about the pricing on these before we move to tasting your reserves, which I know are going to be delicious. Um, give me an idea of the pricing of the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir. Um, and I love, you know, for your convenience, you have the screw caps on this part of your line. Yeah, absolutely. So the Chardonnay, the Dundee Hills Chardonnay is $25 and the Dundee Hills Pinot is 30 approximately. dollars. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully value driven. Again, yeah. they're think part of the value is the fact that it's estate grown and that means that we own the property it's right here by the winery we control the farming we know all the sections and then really leads to consistency and quality mm-hmm. yeah. that's great all right so uh these were delicious and now we're moving up in the pyramid as you were telling me of your wines to your reserve wines and typically reserve is meaning wines that um you know are your best grapes wines that you're aging a little bit more before release tell me what reserve means to stoller absolutely reserve for us is grown in the vineyard and it comes into the winery so what we've been doing for the last decade is taking all the different parcels of Pinot Noir that we grow we have that come into the winery we have over 35 parcels and fermenting them for the most part on their own and putting them to their own set of oak barrels and tasting all year for a decade and really studying what these different pieces of the land are giving us and that's becoming very interesting because we see these trends emerging in the vineyard that we can translate into the winery where there's a handful of sections of grapes out there that are the all-stars you taste in the barrel you're like wow this is so much more expressive and the tannins are just beautiful and intensities there and that's where we start and within our framework we say we're going to craft a reserve wine around these sections and really put them together to be that much more expressive of the vintage in the site and that's the reserve so the Dundee Hills is anywhere from six to now up to 14,000 cases of, of Pinot Noir, where the reserve is always going to be much smaller. I think we'll be up about 3,000 cases max this year for reserve. And that is something that we've, again, worked over the last decade to find. And also we know what we want to offer in the glass. It takes a long time to get to that point, in my opinion, especially working with one site, one soil type. Defining what your style is is takes a while but it's important i think for us we know what we want to offer the dundee hills is expressive it's balanced approachable it's the mosaic of what we have here on the hillside for the vintage Mm -hmm. and the reserve is something that's going to be definitely more intense a little bit more tannin structure more power and a lot of of potential for the future is how i see it like something that does better after two years in the bottle really has a lot to, to work with and open up over time I love that. And so before we get to the Pinot Noir, because we have two different vintages here, actually, of the Reserve, your Reserve Chardonnay um, is different from the Dundee Hills line in that it's oak-aged, barrel-aged, and more of a, I guess, a Burgundian style, if you want to compare it to a French white Burgundy. Um, From the beginning, Bill Stoller and the winery has believed in Oregon Chardonnay. Because Pinot Gris, sometimes people think, is the white of of Oregon or the Willamette. Make the case for what what do you think is unique about the Willamette Chardonnay? Sure. Well, Pinot Gris definitely is the broadest represented and the most prevalently grown. It is the Oregon white. Mm -hmm. But Chardonnay is as well, and it will be. And it makes sense. I mean, Chardonnay does flourish in cooler climates. You look Mm -hmm. at Burgundy and 
have clear example of that. And now that we've got the right clonal material here in Oregon, these clones of Chardonnay that ripen much earlier than our initial plantings that we did in the 90s and before. So you can make this wine that's acid-driven, that really focuses on freshness and beautiful fruit, and it's ageable and elegant. It's just, it's a great place to grow Chardonnay, and there's not that many places in the world that have our climate type, where it's temperate but cool, so you can get this long hang time, kind of slow development, and capture the kind of that purity of fruit with the acidity. So I think that's why Chardonnay will do so well here. You make this serious, food-friendly, aromatic, balanced, moderate alcohol Chardonnay. Great. And next to that, we have two bottles of your reserve right now. Um, we're tasting the 2013, was it the 2013 Reserve Pinot Noir? So you already mentioned, you know, what makes this reserve a little bit different. It's really built for aging. You know, it's built to be a more serious Pinot that in two, three years is coming into its own. Um, and then we got to taste next to that the 2010 where... That has already happened. So um, you can see how the development is. Uh, Tell people, you know, when they're out there shopping, how can they kind of know a Pinot that's going to be good with time versus this is the Pinot to drink pop open tonight? Well, that's a tricky one because that's kind of like the same question of how long will this age type of a thing. But I think when you taste a wine and you can consider something that is age worthy it has to have components of um, balance it has to have good acidity and intensity of fruit and also the presence of tannin Mm -hmm. because if one of those is lacking you would believe that it's not going to age quite as well and so when I taste something like our reserve pinot right now the 2013 reserve pinot I get on the palate kind of this concentrated fruit. It's definitely a lot richer than the Dundee Hills. You get some tannin that's around the edges that isn't rough by any means, but it's it's just kind of holding in that concentrated fruit. And mm-hmm. there's some aromatics there as well. It's not hot. It's kind of got more of a moderate to lower alcohol. But you just sense it on the palate with that weight and the acidity that this is something that with some time is going to it's going to open up. You're going to get more and more aromatic development over time, and the tannins are going to kind of lengthen and broaden that wine. So I think something you can sense by tasting the wine versus the Dundee Hills, which is also very ageable. But right now it's got a lot of cherry, beautiful kind of a herbal note in a, in a nice way, and some pepper and acidity. And it's just the, the way it's coming across the palate is a lot more open. So I think that's yeah. that's how you can look at a wine. But again, going back to the fact of what is ageable, it has to be a balanced wine. It can't be something that's just all fruit, you know, without any acidity because you kind of lose it. Hey, that's... Probably best to capture right now. That's great. That's perfect because I think people are are confused sometimes, like what to buy for today and what you can have for tomorrow. And we really got to taste that here with the 2010 and the 2013 side by side. So, well, Melissa Burr, winemaker here at Stoller Family Estates, you've been so much fun and gosh, we could talk for hours. (laughs) But um, if folks want to find out more about the winery, come out here to the Willamette and visit you. Um, Maybe just give us your website and um, so folks can come visit you. We have a beautiful website that we've worked pretty hard on uh, getting 
designed and up and running and it's StollerFamilyEstate.com and it's comprehensive. It shows you the vineyard, all of our wines, what events we're doing and also talks about we have some guest houses that we rent out on the property. Talks about those as well because we are in such a beautiful spot of the Willamette Valley so it offers people a place to also stay. So yes, that's the best way, StollerFamilyEstate.com. Great. Thank you so much for being on The Sipping Point. Cheers. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am both excited and honored to have on the line Jim Bernot from Willamette Valley Vineyards, and he's got a few new projects in the works, but we've been friends for a number of years, and Jim is just an amazing winemaker, winery owner, and an inspiration to anyone who's ever dreamed of owning a winery. He made it happen. He's a self-made uh professional and successful one at that. Jim, welcome back to The Sipping Point. Lori, it's great to be back, and it was wonderful having you out to see our vineyards in Oregon. I know. I was there a few weeks ago, and it was, as I remembered, it was heaven. (laughs) You know, I'm a big fan of your wines and, and everything that you do. I think a lot of my listeners dream of owning their own winery. Now, in your name, it orients where you are. You're in the Willamette Valley of Oregon, and, uh, but, you came to owning the winery not as a, your your first career, really more of a second or third uh, venture, if you will. So maybe you could kind of, if anybody's out there dreaming of owning their own winery, give us a little background as to how you came to uh, be in the position you're at now. Well, Lori, you know, it, it started with the very first winemaker who came to Oregon. His name was Richard Summer, and he came up in the late 1950s to establish the first uh, winery in Oregon since Prohibition. So some many years had passed. Um, And uh, so nobody knew how to do a winery license. And so he had to go find himself a lawyer. And he hired my dad. And my dad brought his wines home uh, to share with my brother and I at the dinner table. And I was very young. I was 10 years old. And that's when the light bulb went off. And it wasn't long after that that I was uh, learning how to make wine and, and bugging Richard Summer on how to make wine. And <laughs> and um, and so I've been uh, winemaking really since a young age. And um, it, But it takes a lot to get here. And uh, and one of the things that, that you, know, you talk about, you know, dreaming of owning your own winery, mm-hmm. well, that's really how we created Willamette Valley Vineyards. Uh, many, many Oregon wine enthusiasts don't have the time or the resources to, to plant their own vineyards and make their own wine, but they still have a passion for it and a strong interest in it. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we did the very first wine enthusiast-owned winery in the country. I love that. So tell us about that. So you uh, you are a publicly traded company, correct? Well, yes, we had to be legally. My idea was that if we could organize wine enthusiasts, uh, Oregon wine enthusiasts who believed in the future of this industry, they could collectively act together to build a great world-class winery. Mm-hmm. And we now have 5,000, over 5,000 wine enthusiasts as owners of Willamette Valley Vineyards. But the only legal way to do that is to be publicly held. And so we are publicly held, we're traded on the NASDAQ, and, um, and we are a result of the collective action of many people uh, from all walks of life who have a passion for wine. And, um, and that's how we're growing. And I love that. And you are growing. Your wines are delicious. Um, 
And this is my second visit to the winery a few weeks ago. And what struck me, one, you had an exciting grape stomp event going on with uh, lots of uh, competition and just uh, um, good, clean fun with wine involved, I guess. But so many things have changed at Willamette Valley Vineyards. Maybe you could just kind of touch on if folks are going to come out and visit you in the Willamette um, and get involved in what you have to offer. You have a lot of, of new additions to the winery. Um, give us a little update on what you've done. Well, for your listeners, I hope they do plan a trip to Oregon and to the Willamette Valley. You know, we have uh, literally hundreds of small uh, uh, wineries here in Oregon. Uh, these vineyards are excellent. Our winemakers are, are really very, very high quality. Uh, there's a lot to see in Oregon. We also have a lot of chefs, uh, uh, chef owner restaurants, and a lot of other things to do here in the Willamette mm. Valley. So I hope your listeners do plan a trip to Oregon and taste these delicious wines. We're just a, one among many. Uh, uh, top quality uh, Oregon wine producers. But here when they come to the winery, they'll get a full uh, food and wine experience. You know, we have a chef station in the tasting room where people can do food and wine pairings. Uh, they can that. taste through the, the, the wines that are grown here in the valley, as well as uh, we get some grapes from outside the valley uh, that are warmer climate, climate varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon and, and uh, Cabernet Franc and those in small amounts. And so people can really get a sense of Oregon by coming here uh, and, and, and really spending a good part of their day here at the winery, learning about oh. the vineyards and how we make wine. Well, you know, um, along with my husband, Chef Michael, I believe, you know, wine is part of the recipe of your meal. So I love that you have the, the restaurant and the food aspects now. It's so exciting. And but uh, what's and you even can, you more... can even stay here if you can figure out a figure out an open slot in our suites that overlook the vineyard. I I did. I got to experience that, and it is it's magical. So now uh, that you've sort of got Willamette Valley Vineyards going, and of course going strong, and you've been awarded many many times on the wines and as as a winery, one of the, the focuses you have at your winery is sustainability and and being a good steward of the environment and the land. Um, and and you've proven that where you're at. Now you're looking to expand a little bit, and I learned some exciting things while I was visiting you about your new projects. So maybe you can share that with my listeners. Well, you know, what we're what what wine enthusiasts are looking for is they're looking for those really special sites. They're looking for these really unique storied uh, uh, wines. And so we, we, we found uh, there's a wonderful vineyard that we've been farming for years that is named Elton Vineyard. And we are planning to build a small by appointment only winery uh, adjacent to the Elton Vineyard up in the Eola Hills that overlooks the Willamette Valley. And uh, we've actually uh, started a fundraising effort to do that by selling preferred stock. And that uh, that preferred offering is well underway, uh, right now only available to Oregon and Washington residents, but eventually will be available to um, uh, people uh, living across the nation. And then the second uh, place that we've identified uh, for another vineyard and winery, a very special experience, is in the Walla Walla AVA. Uh, mm. Some of the best warm climate varieties in America are coming out of that uh, region. And this particular land um, is on the north-facing slope, facing the, the, the uh, Walla Walla Valley. Uh, and it's in an area uh, that is... Uh, surrounded by some of the best top quality producers and uh, we'll be uh, planting a vineyard there and building a winery there. We're going to take a quick break on the sipping point. We'll be back with Jim Bruneau of Willamette Valley Vineyards on the sipping point. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach. We're back with the sipping point and Jim Bruneau of Willamette Valley Vineyards. You were uh 
telling me before we uh, we got the show going here a little bit about your groundbreaking event at the Elton Vineyard, I think it was. Yes, we had it just this last Sunday. Tell me about that because people are going to be excited about, well, about what you did there. Remember, we're a wine enthusiast-owned winery. And so we wanted to uh, have the wine enthusiasts who are owners participate in its groundbreaking. So we asked them to bring their shovels, and they must have brought over 600 shovels. Uh, to this groundbreaking last Sunday. And not only did they participate in the celebration for building this new winery, but they also planted a Pinot Noir vine uh, in their name, in their family name. Mm -hmm. And we had, we planted at least a half an acre of Pinot Noir all at once while they were being photographed from the air in a helicopter. So it was quite a scene to see all these people spread across the hill planting Pinot Noir vines. Wow. I, I, I wish I was there next next year. <laughs> when were your Walla Walla? Um, it may, April or May. April or May. Okay, yeah. so we still have time. And we're so tell do me the a little same bit. Thing there. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. If folks are uh, interested in getting involved in these projects, and of course the Walla Walla Vineyard, you're going to be working with some different varietals and different yes. types of wines than than you usually do in the Willamette. How can people get involved now or in the future if they want to be uh, a part owner in these new projects? Well, the first thing is is that we are our company is owned by wine enthusiasts and it's traded on the NASDAQ. Um, our symbols WVVI and people can buy our stock on the on the over you know uh, on the NASDAQ and then they get the benefits of being an owner of the winery, which is uh, you know some very favorable discounts, uh, access unique access to events, uh, access to priority or allocated wines ahead of the, the public. So there's a way that people can do it. Uh, around the country now. But for people who want to participate in the preferred uh, stock offering, which offers a 5.3% annual dividend, that um, that's limited to Oregon, only Oregon and Washington residents. But as soon as we achieve the NASDAQ listing thresholds, we can open it up to the rest of the nation. And yeah, because I, I, I know there's some Maryland be... folks that will want to get involved. <laughs> well, they won't, we're probably not very far away from achieving those NASDAQ listing thresholds. So it's only a matter of time. And if they just let us know that they're interested in receiving a prospectus, we'd be happy to send it to them when we can. I love that. So over the course of the years that you've been um, growing Pinot Noir in the Willamette, um, I'm wondering, you know, what do you know now, I guess, that you didn't know when you got started? And what's different about growing Pinot, you know, this harvest, 2015? Well, you know, it's like a lot of things in life. You know, the older the, the older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. And I think think that's true of Pinot Noir. I mean, Pinot Noir is continually, continues to challenge us, uh, continues to enthrall us. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's just the most uh, remarkably difficult grape to grow, but the most rewarding to grow and to make into wine. Mm. This particular vintage year is uh, really surprising because it's it's been so warm. We have 25% more degree days this growing season than we ever had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got uh, incredible flavors coming out of these uh, these clusters. Uh, we're making actually making the wine right now, and still harvesting a little bit left that's in the field. Wow! Under very dry, uh, very warm uh, conditions. But but the neat thing about the Willamette Valley is it gets very cool at night. So it keeps it retains the acids in the fruit because it's so cold at night. Uh, it uh, re- it keeps those uh, clusters air conditioned and free of disease. Um, it's just we have a very unique growing season here. Um, and I love I think, that, and that and, translates into your wine for sure. Absolutely. What's your favorite food pairing for Pinot Noir? 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Everything, right? Yes. But, I mean, it, it all depends on, you know, I just, I'm, I love lamb. You know, we grow, there's a lot of uh, uh, naturally grown lamb here in the Willamette Valley. And and for me, that's my own personal personal preference. Nice. I think I, I got to taste some of that delicious lamb while I was there. Um, it, so if folks want to find out more about your winery and, uh, you know, see all the great wines you have to offer, get involved. You do have a, a wine club where people can get uh, shipments throughout the year. Um uh, where can they go to get more information? Well, they can certainly call us at the winery at 503-588-9463, but they can also go online to WillametteValleyVineyards.com or mm-hmm. WVV.com for short, and we've got, a, a I think, a pretty good uh, description of our offerings. But really what we'd like to do is we'd like them to come see us. And if they let us know that they're coming, we could help actually help them plan their visit in the Willamette Valley. And we could even make calls to some of our fellow winemakers to see if they would give uh, them, your listeners, a special experience as well. Oh, that's great. You guys are so, you you guys are just too nice for your own good out there. (laughs) Well, one of the things, Laurie, about the Willamette Valley and about Oregon is when you come and visit, you're going to be able to talk with the winemakers and Mm -hmm. the vineyard owners, the people who planted the vines that are making the wine. And that's, that, you know, a lot has changed as the wine industry has grown up in the United States, but that, that hasn't changed in Oregon. Uh, We're, we're all very small, independent, um, and uh and we're and we want to share uh with the rest of the world just what the, an amazing place this is to grow pinot noir I love it. Well, Jim, thank you so much, Jim Bruneau from Willamette Valley Vineyards for for being on the Sipping Point. And I see you have yoga coming to the vineyard in November. That sounds exciting. Um, So hopefully folks will get on out there. And if you visit Jim at at the winery, I hope you'll tell tell them that the wine coach sent you. And uh, I'm sure you'll get an extra generous pour, won't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Jim Bruneau, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cheers. This is Lori Forster, the wine coach. I hope you've enjoyed today's show all about the Willamette Valley in Oregon, one of my favorite wine regions in all of the country. I've enjoyed sharing it with you. And you know what else I want to share with you? One of my key competencies, one of the things I do best is creating events. And whether that's event is for your client appreciation, for team building within your company, or maybe an executive board retreat for a board you sit on. I can help you create anything from a wine tasting to a wine dinner to a wine competition that no one will forget and everybody will be talking about. If you want to find out more, just give me a call at 410-820-4212 or go to my website, thewinecoach.com and click on speaking. You can email me at laurie at thewinecoach.com. We'll set up a short call, explore your needs. And you know what? I know we can set something up that's going to really meet your objectives. So I hope we're going to talk soon. Uh, Another way we can connect is I'm doing a great wine and barbecue event, Tailgate Edition, at Famous Dave's in Bel Air, Maryland. It's going to be on October 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. We're doing four courses of delicious barbecue paired with some of my favorite wines for your next football party or tailgate. And it's all available, men and women alike. I want you there. We're going to have a little reception um, with some uh, fun finger foods and one of my favorite starter wines. And then we'll sit down for three more courses paired with 
some of my favorite wines, all affordable, great wines that you can incorporate into any event you're having. Also, you want to connect with me on social media. I'm on Twitter at The Wine Coach, at The Wine Coach on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search The Wine Coach and I will come up. Just post your questions, uh, post your pictures of your favorite wine, anything you want to do. And likewise, if you want to download my free app for iPhone and Android, just go to the App Store, type in The Wine Coach, or go to thewinecoach.com and click on Mobile App. As always, we'll be back next week to explore the recipe for a delicious life. I'm your host, Lori Forrester, The Wine Coach. I just hope you'll keep on sipping. <music>